Good morning, and welcome to our pre-recorded service here at Church of the Palms. We invite you to find a comfortable place in your home to worship with us with no distractions, and if you wish, even you can light a candle to invite Christ's presence into your home and have your bulletin available, which you can find our, on our church website so that you can follow along the order of worship. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us prepare to worship God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you shall live. Let us worship God.
God who knows every heart calls us to walk by faith and not by sight. And yet, how often do we return to a human point of view, relying on our cultural signals, rather what his warning signals are? Let's remember that our Lord Jesus sympathizes with us and our weaknesses, so then we can with boldness approach the throne of grace and confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Share that with me if you would. Almighty God, you poured out your spirit upon your gathered disciples, creating bold tongues, open ears, and a new community of faith. We confess that we hold back the force of your spirit among us. We do not listen for your word of grace. Speak the good news of your love or live as a people made one in Christ. Have mercy on us, O God. Transform our timid lives by the power of your spirit and fill us with a flaming desire to be your faithful people, doing your will for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ, and he doesn't. He forgives us, he abides in us, he restores us in these moments and in the days to come. He makes the old pass away and everything new. So friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And now let's take a moment to recall that creed of old that has been the rock of our foundation faith, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, he descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let's take a moment to pass the peace with one another in the sanctuary of our home. We're glad you joined us, and we're glad that we can share this fellowship, even though it's not on site. Thank you.
welcome to worship today. We are delighted that you have joined us in this digital way. Well, as you know, we are on week two of our in-person worship. We had around 200 people here last week, which is about 20% of our regular October attendance. We were spread out between three services, the traditional at 9 and 11 here in the sanctuary, and our contemporary service at 10 o'clock over in the campus center. It was so great to see those smiling eyes as everyone faithfully wore their masks. It was a great time being back together. We want you to know that we will continue to offer this pre-recorded worship service until the majority of us feel like it's safe to all be together again. During this time of pandemic especially, we get to take care of each other. If you find that you would like to attend one of the live worship services, we just ask that you would register online and that starts on Mondays at 10 and goes all the way till Friday at noon. If you need any help, just call the front office, but if you can register online, that is very helpful. Will you still have time to send in your selfie of what joy is to you and you have an opportunity to bring joy to all kinds of people, and we have one easy way for you to do it. You can bring joy by bringing candy. We are going to be collecting candy to fill the hundreds of stockings that our very own D. Weber has sewn so that they can be stuffed and then delivered in December to the kids in Newtown and to the kids at two of our mission partners down at Mission Peniel and up at Bethel. You have all the way until November 22nd to bring in the candy. However, the very best kind are those little individual Halloween candies and candy canes, of course. There will be collection baskets at the doors, in the sanctuary, in the campus center, and at the front office. Well, we hope you'll consider joining us on Monday, October 19th at six o'clock for a conversation on the TED Talk by Debbie Irving based on her book, Waking Up White. Our race in the church team has been exploring ways to try to increase our awareness so that we can gain the strength to stand up against racism and other forms of injustice. We hope that you'll join in on this conversation even if you've never been to one before. I started out knowing basically nothing and I've learned so much and I have so far to go and I think this happens best in conversation with each other as we're reading this good material. So you'll find the Zoom link and the TED Talk on our website and it's only about a 15 minute listen. We hope that you'll join in. You can sign up on Monday, October 19th, all the way until noon to join us that evening. God in Hollywood continues on Wednesday at 6.30, and this week we are talking about the movie The Mission. Sign up is on the website. And then we can look forward to the next three weeks. Dr. McConnell is going to lead a conversation on the movies that were made based on the Chronicles of Narnia. Should be really fun to unpack that together. Thanks to Genevieve, we have our very first Taizé service of music, prayer, and, si and silence that was posted over the weekend. And we invite you to try this contemplative worship, which can be particularly healing during this season of uncertainty and transition. 
You will find it on our website and on YouTube to view at your convenience. And finally, All Saints Day is on November 1st. And if you have lost a loved one this past year, we are so sorry. We would just like to invite you to call Kathy Lloyd in our office to give us the information so that we can include your loved one's name in our litany for all saints. That would be due to her by Monday, October 26th. Let us continue our worship of God. Our psalm for today is psalm number 30. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and did not let my foes rejoice over me. 
O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you brought up my soul from Sheol, restored me to life from among those gone down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his faithful ones, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you had established me. As a strong mountain, you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cried, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, so that my soul may praise you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Let us pray. Our most gracious and loving God, we come to you with thanksgiving and joy. We thank you that you created us in your image, giving us life. You called life good, and we experience it as good. Merciful God, in the darkest hours of our lives, you love us still, and we feel your presence and we give you thanks. We feel joy and celebrate being your beloved children. We thank you for your care for us, O oh God, despite our fears of feeling lost and alone in this pandemic. Gracious God, we remember and pray for people who are cut off from family and friends. Those who struggle with illness, including those suffering from the COVID-19 virus for caregivers who risk their own safety to serve others, for essential workers who are closest to us in most necessary transactions, for scientists and politi political leaders. We pray for the people who are poor, asking that we may serve them in ways that respect and encourage them. We pray for our church, O Lord, that we might be your loving and truthful witnesses and ambassadors of your love and grace. We remember those who serve in military and government and in the mission field. We pray for unity in diversity. May we who are of different races and backgrounds, languages and cultures become a community in you, we pray. We bring all our prayers to you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now we have come to the moment we call the moment of gratitude. 
even in the midst of this difficult and challenging time, we all receive abundance of God's blessings. And we can continue to support the mission and ministries of the churches through our generous giving. On the screen, you would say various ways to give to the church. In the Bible, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, we read, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, so that they may be food in my house, and thus put me to the test, says the Lord, the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. Many of us are already receiving that overflowing blessings from God. So let us give generously so that God's work may continue.
Let us pray. May our offerings be an expression of genuine love that reflects your love for us, O God. We seek to honor you as we serve one another in Christ's name. We reach out to overcome evil with good, direct our use of the resources you entrust to us that we may not only contribute to the needs of the saints, but also devote our lives to the building of a peaceable worldwide community in which all are valued. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, during this month, well, wait, maybe first I should see if there's any kids that want to come and join in around the screens because we are going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit that we're talking about all month called joy. I love joy. It's the cutest little word that is just jam-packed full of positive energy. Joy reminds me of Christmas as in joy to the world. And then I noticed that Pastor Steve was actually preaching on a passage from Easter, and I'm pretty sure that we're still in October, so maybe joy is for every season. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get a little confused about the difference between happiness and joy. Can you think of some things that make you happy? I was thinking of a couple things, like uh, a sunset at the beach makes me so happy, or getting a new bicycle to ride, or having a kitten purring in my lap. And then I want you just to imagine for a moment that it's a cloudy day and I can't see the sunset, or that someone backs over my bicycle and now I can't ride it anymore or that my daughter has the audacity to take her kitten back to college with her. And just like that, my happiness is gone. Because you see, that happiness was based on external things coming to me. Well, joy is about internal things. Joy is something that God places deep inside of us. Joy is a feeling of peace and delight and knowing that everything is going to be okay. And it comes from this deep knowing that we are greatly loved and that we belong to God. And it's because of that that joy happens regardless of the circumstances of anything that's going on around us. Well, I came up with a little acronym so you could remember what joy is and why it's good for all seasons. So it goes like this. J is for Jesus, of course, you're in church. O is for on the inside. And Y is for... Yabba dabba doo. So joy, Jesus, on the inside, yabba dabba doo. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for giving us Jesus on the inside so we can be full of joy in all times and in all places because we are loved and we belong to you. Amen.
Well, if you didn't know it by now, we are focusing on the fruit of the Spirit called joy this month, and we've heard uh, a great synopsis of it already, and we are going to today focus on a very familiar scripture to us, and as Lori mentioned, it's one that we're not used to hearing in October, but it is one story that really sits at the center of this experience of joy for you and I as brothers and sisters in Christ. So let's hear the word of God as it comes to us from Luke chapter 23, beginning at the 50th verse, heading on into the 24th chapter. And this particular text begins upon the death of Jesus. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph, who, though a member of the council, had not agreed to their plan and action. He came from the Jewish town of Arimathea, and he was waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus, and then he took it down, wrapped it in a linen cloth, and laid it in a rock-hewn tomb where no one had ever been laid. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed, and they saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath day, they rested according to the commandment. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. And while they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with him who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home amazed at what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. Weeping, writes the psalmist, weeping lingers in the evening, but joy comes with the morning. Weeping lingers with the evening, but joy comes with the morning. You know, every good story has a turning point. 
Every good story has a moment when the, when the drama shifts, the tide turns, and the narrative heads in a new direction. Every good detective story, for example, has that initial stalled and frustrated plot where none of the pieces seem to add up, and the gumshoe detective has all these loose threads of evidence that don't tie together. And, and, and then finally comes that moment when out of the blue, the pivotal clue appears, and, and the dots begin to connect, and the pieces of the puzzle start to fit together and there's this turning point where the right trail is discovered and, and justice seems closer at hand. Every good story has a turning point and I suppose that goes not just for a good story but also for a good history. History is replete with turning points. In the middle of 1863, as the Civil War waned longer than anybody else ever dreamed, and the Union seemed unable to bring to a finish the effort to abolish slavery and protect the Union, and as the Confederates pressed their forces further and further north into Pennsylvania, the two armies met at Gettysburg, and, and no one really knew what those three days of battle would bring. Maybe just more war, but what they brought, as it turns out, was the turning point, the high watermark of the war, where the, where the tide turned and the Union gained the advantage and the events to follow seemed to take an inevitable course toward Union victory. Still a long time coming and many battles still to be fought, won and lost, but the tide had turned at Gettysburg. They had arrived at the turning point. Eighty years later, when armies of the Third Reich swarmed across Europe, all seemed lost. No army, no navy, no air force seemed able to stop the advance, and civilization felt as if it hung in the balance. But, but then came June 6, 1944, and tens of thousands of brave young allied men stormed the beaches of Normandy and pushed the Nazis back and, and put them on the run, and the tide had turned. The turning point had occurred, and though there were months still left in the war, the war was still on its way to being over. A dozen years later, when the shadows of Jim Crow laid heavy upon the land and black people suffered under the cruel hand of institutional prejudice where they, they couldn't drink from the same water fountains and, and couldn't sit at the same lunch counters and apply for the same jobs, on December 1st, 1955, in Birmingham, Alabama, a local seamstress boarded a bus and sat in the front row of the rear colored section. A few stops later, when the whites-only section had filled up, the bus driver asked her to give up her seat. Rosa Parks stayed put and refused to move. And people say that was the turning point. That, that was when the tide began to ebb. That was when the course of history began to change and go in a new direction. And while we have still a long ways to go, the arc of history began to bend toward justice. Every good story, every good history has a turning point. A case can certainly be made that the turning point of human history resides in the story that I just read to you from the New Testament, a story of three days. 
If the Bible is to be, to be believed, it is these three days that serve as the turning point of the great story of human civilization. Jesus kept talking throughout his ministry about these three days. These three days when the Son of Man would suffer under Pontius Pilate, be crucified, dead, and buried, and on the third day rise again. Jesus kept talking and talking and talking about it, and no one really understood what he was talking about. No one really understood what what the story was going to end up at. No one really could, no one could really pick up on the clues. No one had any idea of this turning point that awaited them. But then come the three days, and Luke tells us the story by turning our attention to a group of women who stumble through those three days, but they really don't know what is going on. They, they've loved their Jesus. They loved the rabbi from Galilee. They had hoped that his teaching and signs were going to redeem Israel. But now in these three days, the days had grown dark. The rabbi had been arrested. The disciples had fled. The Romans had nailed Jesus to a tree. No pieces seemed to fit. No dots connected. No loose ends tied together. And there were these women all alone at the cross, all alone preparing spices for the dead Jesus, all alone and resting on the Sabbath and all alone walking to that tomb. They don't really know what they're in the middle of. They don't know that they're in the middle of the turning point. They don't know that the hinge of human history resides on the door of that tomb. They don't know that with the sun's rise, the light of the world will be dawning on the entire human race. They don't know any of this. The only thing they know is that they have a role to play. They have a rabbi to follow. They have a rabbi under whose cross they are to stand. They have a rabbi to lay in a tomb. They have a rabbi to prepare spices and ointment for. And they have a rabbi whose grave they knew they needed to visit. You see, there's one thing about, that's one thing about a turning point. You can't have a turning point until you have players. You can't have a story without characters. You can't have a, a play without actors. You, you can't have a turning point unless you have what is referred to in the Latin as dramatis personae, that list of characters and actors. You can't have a turning point unless you have a protagonist, unless you have characters who are looking ahead for the turn in the story, who are enacting the turn in the story. You can't have a detective without, before you can find the clue. You can't have soldiers to storm, you have to have soldiers to storm the beach. You have to have a woman who stays seated on the bus. You have to have a group of women at the cross, at the tomb, preparing spices, walking into the pre-dawn shadows to find a resurrection. You have to have that dramatist persona. You have to have people who are willing to endure the darkness in the hopes of a rising sun. You have to have people who know that weeping will linger for the evening, but that joy will come in the morning. You see, the joy that the Spirit has to give, that the fruit of joy is a gift that comes with hope. It is a gift that comes with the belief that somewhere ahead is still the turning point. We, we do what we have to do right now because there will be joy in the morning. 
which makes those three days in Palestine the turning point for you and me. Because to embrace those days, to believe those days, to calibrate our lives around those days is to believe that no matter how poorly we feel, the narrative go, is going within us and around us, that there is still this God of human history who has the ability to, to turn the course of time on a dime. And God does turn the course of time on a dime. And often that dime is you and me. You see, that's one of the great joys of living, knowing that God created you and me for a meaning and a purpose, that, that we get to be the dramatist personae, the, the characters in the drama of redemption, and that the great joy of living comes when we know our part, that, that though there is weeping in the evening that there will be joy in the morning. You may remember the story of Joseph Dutton, veteran of the Civil War, Union soldier. But the outcome of the war brought him little joy, even though he was on the winning side, for what was to follow was the discovery of his wife's unfaithfulness, their eventual divorce, his descent into depression, and the perils of the bottle. And this shell of a man stumbles around weeping in the evening until he stumbles upon a gracious Roman Catholic community who take him in, dry him up, and put him back into the drama of life. And with each new day, a yearning grows to wonder what is the meaning of life all about. And then he starts reading and hearing stories of Father Damien out on the Hawaiian Islands who was ministering to the lepers of Molokai. And that was it. Uninvited, he travels by land and sea to Molokai and unannounced arrives and says to Father Damien, I'm here to help and I'm here to stay. And stay he did to care for those lepers for the rest of his days. And late in life, in writing in his journal, Brother Dutton reflects on the drama of his life, the horrible first act and the victorious second. And he writes, did ever one deserve so little and get so much? Every good story has a turning point. Weeping lingers in the evening, but joy comes with the morning. Do you remember Gordon Wilson? Gordon Wilson lived in Belfast. He was a Northern Ireland Protestant, and that's what took him one day, along with his 20-year-old daughter Marie, to a Protestant celebration outside of Belfast to honor the war dead on Veterans Day. In the middle of that celebration, the IRA set off a bomb that buried Gordon and his daughter under five feet of broken concrete. The two of them survived the initial blast and could hear and see each other under the rubble, and Marie grabbed her father's hand and said, Daddy, I love you very much. And those were her last words. She slipped into unconsciousness and died a few hours later in the hospital, weeping lingers in the evening. And when they pulled the sheet over his precious daughter, this good Methodist father had to figure out what was the meaning of life all about. So when he stepped out of the hospital in front of the microphones, when the world expected to hear what they had continued to hear, anger and insults and names and despair and hopelessness, Gordon Wilson said, I've lost my daughter, but I bear no grudge. I shall pray tonight and every night that God will forgive those who kill her. He took his place on the stage 
and began to live into a turning point because it was on that day that that grieving father began leading a crusade for Protestant and Catholic reconciliation. He wrote a book about his daughter, spoke against violence, constantly repeated the phrase, love is the bottom line. He met with the IRA, forgave them for what they did, asked them to lay down their arms. History has deemed him a catalyst for peace, one of the causes for the Good Friday Agreement in Ireland. The Republic of Ireland made him a senator, and when he died suddenly in 1995, the Irish Republic, the Nor Northern Ireland, and Great Britain honored this man who had turned the tide. You know, the truth is, life is unfair, and life is uncertain. And if we ever needed proof for that, it has come with the year 2020. What a crazy and difficult and tumultuous and uncertain and sickly and deadly and lonely year. All wrapped up into one. And we still have two and a half months to go. And we've all been affected and we've all lost something. And we've all wondered maybe, what is this really supposed to mean? The evening of COVID lingers. And what must I do with my weeping? What must I do as I stumble through the dark shadows of the early morning? When will come the turning point? Who's to know? And yet you can't have a turning point without characters. Weeping li lingers for the evening, but joy comes in the morning. And it makes me think of the story of Tony Melendez. Tony Melendez was a Nicaraguan boy who was born with no arms. What's a boy do with no arms? What's a boy with no arms do when he receives the stares of all the other kids weep, perhaps, in the evening? Tony's family immigrated to East Los Angeles, and for whatever reason, Tony decided that maybe he could learn to play the guitar with no arms. Maybe he could learn to play the guitar with his feet, and so he began. I don't know how that happens, but Tony learned to play guitar with his feet. He, he learned how to play the guitar with his feet, and he turned out to be better with his feet than most were with their hands. When the Pope visited Los Angeles, Tony was invited to play for the Pope, and so for before a crowd of tens and tens and tens of thousands, Tony took to the stage the dramatist personae and played the guitar. And the visibly moved Pope wrapped his own arms around the boy. Tony writes, after the concert, I walked backstage through the waiting crowd of old friends and new, and I saw a badly deformed young woman in a wheelchair. Her arms and legs were twisted, but she smiled and tried to wave as I passed. Her eyes filled with tears. She reached out her hand toward me and struggled to speak. Tony, she said, because of you, we all have hope. Because of you, we all have hope. And because of those women stumbling in the dark, knocking their shins against the gravestones, because of their part in the play, we all have hope. 
COVID will not have the last word. There is yet another act to come, and the director is looking for characters for the next scene. Now's the casting call. As shadowed as that first act may be, we still all have a part to play because this is the good story, and every good story has a turning point. Weeping may linger for the evening, but joy comes with the morning. the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.